Have you been thinking of enrolling your child in a reading program? Or maybe there are advertisements for reading programs popping up on your Facebook feed? Or maybe you're thinking, you're worrying about whether your child is going to be ready for school. So you're looking for a program where you can enroll your child so that they will learn to read. How do you choose one that is right for your child? And why is it so important to choose the right ones? Are there any consequences if you choose the wrong reading program? We'll find out right here in this episode. Are there days you feel you've had it with the sleepless nights, the temper tantrums, the constant fatigue of trying to keep up with an active baby? Does it feel like you're always working so hard as a parent, trying to do everything for your kids and family, and yet it never feels enough? We get it. You love your child more than anything, and yet parenting is also exhausting and challenging, especially when you're bombarded with criticism and pressure to be the perfect parent, which, spoiler alert, does not exist. That's why we created Discerning Parenting, the podcast that helps you cut through the noise and focus on what truly matters in your parenting journey. This podcast is jam-packed with valuable insights and practical tips specifically tailored for parents of kids age 5 and below. So join us and discover how you can use the combined power of science, knowing your child, and your own intuition in making the best parenting decisions for you and your family. Hello and welcome to the Discerning Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Victoria Agnolasco. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician, and I'm here today with teacher Tasha Mendoza, a reading intervention specialist. She has special training and licensing, as well as over a decade of experience to help kids learn to read. She also coaches parents, and she's collaborated with schools and other professionals in creating reading programs. She's also a mom of four, so she knows all about the pressures and struggles, as well as the joys of being a parent. And I learn so much each time I talk with her. She's a treasure trove of parenting wisdom. And this is the fourth of a series with teacher Tasha. Be sure to listen to the first three episodes as well. We talk about how kids learn to read and how reading skills develop and how to know if a child is ready to learn to read. Today, we talk about reading programs and how to choose the right one. And towards the end, we'll also talk about how we can support you further in your journey of teaching your child to read. So welcome, Teacher Tasha, and thank you again for joining us for a fourth episode. Parents have been telling me about how they love hearing your wisdom and how the tips have been helpful for them. So now we have you for a fourth episode. And to everybody listening here, I just want you to know that reading intervention specialists are actually so rare. So I said, Teacher Tasha, I wish we could clone you and the other reading specialists. They're very much in demand. So whether in my clinic or in my DMs or emails, I often get questions from parents who ask about certain specific reading programs. There are so many commercial reading programs available. Now, before we go on to choose the right reading programs, can we talk about the general types of programs? I know there are so many. Like there are some that are worksheet-based. There are some that are app-based or computer-based. There are some where 
parents will download some printables. They will print it out and then use them to teach their kids. So the kids need these programs. Because I remember, Teacher Tasha, when you were growing up, we didn't have these programs. They were Mm -hmm. optional. But today, a lot of parents get so stressed. They seem to feel it's a necessity just for their kids to be able to keep up. And Mm -hmm. when I talk with developmental pediatricians, in general, they're surprised. And then they don't think that these are necessary. So Mm -hmm. how about you, coming from an educational perspective, are these programs a necessity? Right. Yeah, so thank you for that question. Thank you for having me today. It's very interesting, no, what's out there. And I see, I used to be a new parent once and I bought all the products that I could see off the shelves in the internet because they're really attractive. But now that I know more, I can put things into greater perspective. No? So just as a background, I, I've seen many cases of kids with difficulties and reading disorders spanning from age four to high school to college and even adults. No? And I always think about if I'm going to teach a child to read, where do I start? And One of the important things I try to remind myself, I think parents should think about this too. Why are you buying or why are you purchasing this product? What are you trying to teach? What does a beginning reading program really intend to do? Whether it's a book that says, teach your child to read in 10 days, 20 days. Or if it's a toy that says, let's teach the alphabet. Or if it's an app that says, let's play a game. And these are falling letters. You have to catch them. The question is, what is that for? No, what is the task for? Or a bunch of worksheets, let's say. You answer repeatedly 20 worksheets a day for a span of 30 days and you learn to read. Is that really what we're teaching? Let me break it down. When we look at reading difficulties and struggles later on, we're always looking at what went wrong in the foundation, right? So if we're looking at a backtrack, we want to build solid foundation in the beginning so that there are no gaps when your child grows up into the grade levels and onto high school and onto college. Plus, they're reading for joy. So that's very important that reading is there not as a burden, but we're nurturing early reading experience for joy. That's, I think, number one. So. For me, a reading program in the beginning, when you introduce reading to them, has to be first and foremost enjoyable. What does it have? For me, the first criteria is stories. So we have to expose them to rich literature that will be orally read. Okay, I don't know if your app can do that or your... Your toys can do that. But for me, it's the human voice. Yes, it would be (laughs) by oral reading. That means a parent or a person reading to a child. So if there's an app where there's an animated storybook and then the words pop up on screen, that's not it. Because that's not how young kids learn to read. For me, the best is really when a parent or a teacher gives a voice to the character or there is a scene that needs to be described. And even if a child doesn't even see the picture book, He can imagine it in his head. Yeah, and because kids learn not just from printed words or let's say an animated story, but they learn from our tone of voice, from our facial expression. And that's something that no worksheet or app can replicate. Yes, and it's always the sound. Again, we're going back to developing 
speech and communication at a very early age and use of language and developing vocabulary and just basically the appreciation for stories at a very young age because it's already teaching you so many skills. So one, listening comprehension. When they're able to follow a story, a plot, uh, relate to a character, identify problems and conflict in a story, they get engaged in the imagery, right? Or the sensorial experience. They relate to character or setting or a feeling of excitement, sadness, happiness, or fear. These are things that we want to stimulate in a child, even at the very young age. And what we're teaching through the exposure to a story is listening and comprehending. So listening comprehension, which is later on your foundation for reading comprehension when they're already reading independently. So again, I'm looking at long term, right? This is the time to start that. Second, apart from listening comprehension, does your program develop oral language development? Again, I would prefer that a human <laughs> is my exemplar for speaking, right? If I want my child to express himself, I want it to be with the right word choice, the right pronunciation of words, the right stringing of words to form sentences that are understandable and comprehensible. And this doesn't have to be like a professional who speaks perfectly because research has shown that we don't even need to be perfect speakers. No, Even yeah. those who are not fluent in English, for example, there are researches that show that even if a parent is not fluent in English, if they're the ones who read with their kids, it also helps kids even mm -hmm. more than if, let's say, they watch, let's say, the perfect video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So you are the best person to do this with your child, actually. Yes, yes. So the art of telling stories and choosing good books is something that you as a parent or a teacher would want to invest on. In fact, in the center, when we hire teachers, we ask them, what do you read and why do you like to read them? Do they appreciate literature? How wide is their interest in hobbies and interest? How wide is their interest in many things? Because that will tell us that they would love to read about many things and they want to share that passion. So if they're able to select good books and use those books as basis to elicit good oral language expression from the child, that's a good program. So I'm not exactly pinpointing any program, right? in particular, but these are the qualities that you're looking for. Wow, that's really very interesting. So there's storytelling, there's building the love for reading, it's using rich language. So that's really a lot of things that mm -hmm. nobody ever considers because when people think about reading program, they think about a bunch of worksheets, like different mm -hmm. worksheets for the letter A, then the child will trace those worksheets. And yeah. Then, I think it's because parents and teachers, sometimes they get pressured with the other side of reading, which is alphabet knowledge and decoding so or word reading. I think that that comes with a phonics instruction later on. I think that a good reading program still has that. So we still introduce the alphabet and naming the letters, the sounds, identifying what's a vowel and what's a consonant and distinguishing between both of them. We have them also presenting those letters in a sequence that's easy for a child to remember. Yeah. And the reason why I prefer to have a human being and not a robot or an app do it is because, you know, the children, they develop in different ways. Some of them are strong visually. Some of them are strong 
auditorily. And we always use the learning style. And you will know your child also. You always use the learning style that's appropriate for them to make it easy for them. I believe that teachers are teachers that make it easy for a child to learn. It's not, you know, reaching a standard or having a perfect score in the test. And then I'm happy because my child had a perfect score in the test. It's more of how do you make a child master, let's say, the alphabet and their sounds and put those sounds together in the easiest way possible? Right. At the same time, also write it, write yeah. the alphabet, write it, uppercase letters, lowercase letters. So these are all components of a beginning reading program, but that's on the other side. Yeah. And, and even when it comes to alphabet worksheets, teacher Tasha, I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed this also. I see a lot of worksheets that can be very confusing for a young child. Like, mm-hmm. for example, there's a letter of the alphabet and then there are so many other designs on the page mm-hmm. that can be distracting to the child mm-hmm. when they are supposed to be focused on the form of the letter. Mm-hmm. And then there are so many things on the worksheet. Mm-hmm. Or, for example, they're supposed to, let's say, circle all of the things here that start with the A sound. And... There are different kinds of words. Some of them have the silent A. Some of them have the long A and the short A. Some of them are big pictures. Some of them are small pictures. They're all in different colors. So, And even if you look at early learning or even if you look at the Montessori method, they're going to say that if you're teaching a concept, you want to isolate that concept that the child is learning. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that in a lot of the early learning programs, a lot of the worksheets, like they're all so confusing. They're so overstimulating. Mm -hmm. They put a lot of different concepts together. Right. And there can be a lot of extraneous information also that goes beyond that particular concept that the child is supposed to be learning. Yes, And that's that's why parents Mm -hmm. get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. say, my child actually knows the letter A, so how come they can't answer this particular worksheet? Mm -hmm. And then they get into a battle with the child, the child has tantrums mm-hmm. and the parent ends up, you know, feeling like they have failed and like they're they're being bad parents mm-hmm. because they say, how come my child can't get it? Yeah, it's very common, right? Because, you know, the English language is so complicated. And I think it takes some experience for an instructional designer to lay out what a child must be exposed to first, next, and last. So even when we choose, let's say, flashcards or we choose materials that children need to answer, we have to be very careful. And we we expounded this on Mom Teaches Reading, right? For example, letter G, G has two sounds. You have the hard sound G and the soft sound G, right? And in principle, for example, and we teach things like this in Mom Teaches Reading, the first sound of G the letter G is G, the hard sound, because most of the G sounds and those beginning those beginning with G would likely use the hard sound G. So I'm not going to teach both sounds in one day. Yeah. I'm going to teach that in isolation, right? So that they're not confused. So I'm going to choose my flashcard very carefully. I'm not going to choose a flashcard with a giraffe, with a, yeah. with, with a soft sound G, but I will say goat maybe, would be a good flashcard. Things like that. It gets really complicated. And I think it takes someone who understands the form and structure and the even the linguistics, the science behind 
how words are formed and spoken and written to to really decide what you're going to present to a child first, next, and last. Yeah. And mom so, teaches reading yeah. actually breaks this down to make yeah. it easier for a mom or a teacher to teach their child. Yeah. yeah. So mom teaches reading that teacher Tasha mentioned. That's a program that we created because we got frustrated actually at all the stress that <laughs> parents were going through. And then I, for one, in the clinic, I was looking for a resource where I can refer the parents to when they're getting stressed about this. And we couldn't find any. So mm -hmm. teacher Tasha and I decided to come together and create this program. So the podcast episode hasn't ended yet. But in the meantime, if you want to look it up, go to momteachesreading.com or go to discerningparenting.com slash reading. And we have a free guide there that will help you prepare your child for reading. Mm -hmm. And when you download that guide, you'll also receive parenting tips by email. And you'll also be able to find out more about our program that will guide parents. So teacher Tasha said there are a lot of different factors that go into helping kids learn to read. So we walk you through each of these in short bite-sized lessons and in a step-by-step -step way. Mm -hmm. So teacher Tasha, is it important to choose the right reading program? Because many parents, they will just enroll in a program. They will think, oh, there's nothing to lose. It's okay. Even if it's not a good reading program, it's okay. We don't have to look for something that's perfect. Even if it's just like a set of alphabet worksheets, at least the kids are doing something. It's better that they're doing something instead of nothing. And at worst, I just lose the amount I paid for. But are there any other consequences of choosing the wrong reading program aside from maybe lost money and lost time? Because a lot of parents think it's okay. I mean, okay, fine. So my child is doing some worksheets. They're not ideal, but at least they're not watching some other videos. So I'll just have them do this. Are there consequences of having the wrong reading program? Yes. <laughs> I will say straight out. No. We've yes. seen some children, they're already in the grade school. This is the, the hard part there. It's always in hindsight now yes. that we we see these consequences because reading development takes years and years. And most of the time when students come to us, they already have problems. And then when we dig, we find that in their early years, they were not given either enough instruction or they were not given instruction at the right time when they were ready or they were not given instruction on the other components or aspects of reading that teachers or parents should have given attention to. So I think that it's important for you to select your reading program very carefully. And for me, one of the biggest criteria is that a reading program is an interaction. Leaving it up to just a bunch of worksheets or leaving it up to an app or just relying on a book that says these are instructions, say this, do this, do that, is not something that I would recommend readily as a standalone. I think that the reading program should be an experience. It has to be face-to-face. -face. So we, we've seen this in, in the pandemic where we're limited by just online learning and many of them actually did not read properly. We had to augment or we had to have children unlearn what they learned and relearn something new with our students because the instruction wasn't exactly solid when they were being taught online. And we're all, remember that you're transitioning at very young ages. You're transitioning children from 
from learning through play into more disciplined learning through phonics instruction. That's a very sensitive period. And you have to help them transition through that with care. So there's going to be a lot of encouragement, feedback, communication between you and the child. And that relationship is very important. There's a lot of listening and observing from the part of the teacher. And mom teaches reading actually explains this a lot more. But basically, you want to take care of that relationship while you're teaching reading because they only learn to read once in their life. And it's either going to be a negative experience or a positive experience. And that is a long-term relationship. We build reading skills in the foundation stage over a long period of time, not overnight, not over one semester or one quarter, which the schools normally do because they have a, a prescribed curriculum, right? But I've seen this happen to all my four kids because I was very careful about them having a positive reading disposition, which they carry out in school until now, that I am going to look at the reading program of their preschool, look at what's missing, right? And ensure that I give them what they are not being given in school. And I, I sort of try and reach out to them and make the teaching of reading based on a relationship rather than based on requirement and demand. Because reading is communication. Reading is language. It's just language translated into print and that print needs to be read. But the end is always appreciation and comprehension. And that's basically what we're teaching reading for, right? It's always appreciation and comprehension and for the long term. So reading in the lifespan and reading for competence, ease, and joy. Wow, that's so beautiful, Teacher Tasha. And that's exactly what is our mission in Mom Teaches Reading. Mm -hmm. We will help them. So whether their kids aren't in school and then they want to build early literacy skills in their kids, Mm -hmm. we support them in doing that. Mm -hmm. And if their kids are in school, because uh, in school, it's usually a big group of kids how they can support their child's learning one-on-one at home. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the things that we've been talking about all throughout these past podcast episodes. So those would be things like building, let's say, from phoneme awareness to alphabet knowledge, to word reading, to building a culture of literacy at home, building home literacy. And I know these can sound like big ideas, but we break them down into bite-sized ideas in our course that will help parents support their kids in learning to read. Because the reason why we created this is we found it was a struggle to find the right reading program. And reading specialists like teacher Tasha are so rare and they have long waiting lists. So in the meantime, we created this program where we can work with parents and support you as you build literacy skills in your child. And which brings me to this next question, Teacher Tasha. Can a parent be an active participant in teaching their child to read? Because a lot of parents are hesitant about doing this. They're thinking, you know, I'm no expert. They will say, Teacher Tasha, it's so easy for you to say that because you're a reading specialist, but I'm not. So I want to just leave reading to the experts. So I just want to enroll my child in this program because they're the experts. This program is so well marketed. Mm -hmm. What a lot of parents don't know is that we see our kids just 
two to three hours a week. So the, the influence that we have may be of great impact, but actually we don't spend a lot of time with them. It's the parent that spends a lot of time with them. It's a partnership. And I think that primarily because of the ability to, to influence your family with home literacy practices at home in the house, you are the first teachers of reading. You can influence speech and language, vocabulary development, love for reading. You can model the reading. You can emphasize the importance of learning by reading to your kids. And so you are the first ones as parents to, to promote this in your home, right? And if a child sees that a parent struggles or doesn't like reading, they're likely also to, to be like this. And I think that it's very fortunate that the pandemic offered this, not the ability for children and parents to bond together and to explore things together. And you realize that you actually know your kid more than your teacher will in school or your in reading interventionist will. So you know their interest, you know what they like, what they love to do, you know how strong they can be in terms of memorization, attention span, behavior, and you can manage this yourself more than any other, right? But I think there's got to be a mindset. And once you know about child development and reading development, you will have a wider perspective on how to approach your child so that you're not stressed. And this is also what I learned. I, I think over the years, I've become a more relaxed parent. And that's by experience, which Dr. Victoria and I share in Mom Teaches Reading. The more you know about how your child develops in general, the more relaxed you become, the less you compare him with other children because you know child development and reading development and their, that their developmental stages, the more relaxed you become. And that is something that we want to share with many parents that a lot of the things that we're anxious about, we don't need to be anxious about. A lot of things that we question, there are answers to. We've seen children grow from struggling readers and parents that are angry or weeping or worried into parents that are confident and say, oh, now I realize that there are solutions and there are changes that could be made. For very young children, a lot of the change actually we saw is from the parent himself, not even the teacher, because teachers will deliver what they can deliver. But in the home, the influence and the communication and the relationship are very dynamic and can really change how a child will behave and, and perform. And we understand them. The more we understand them, the more relaxed we become. And I think that's a big thing to digest. <laughs> but the, that's why we thought of Mom Teaches Reading. Yeah. So thank you, Teacher Tasha, for sharing mm -hmm. that. And we put these insights and also the science of reading yes. and evidence-based methods to help kids learn to read. So that means what you're getting is not just something that is our invention. I mean, we put in our experience, mm -hmm. but at the same time, there is evidence that backs up. There is evidence. These yes, methods. there is yes. evidence. There is research. 
And I think that is what I can say for our program as opposed to what maybe is commercial. I'm not sure. No, maybe there are some commercial programs that have been researched about, but day in, day out, this is our work as 3D intervention specialists. We look at the lifespan. We look at all the aspects of reading and writing and what leads to success and not just like one area. And we look at family relationships yeah. too. And I yeah. want to point out something because sometimes there are parents, they're hesitant they say that, you know, I just want to enroll my child in a center. I want to leave my child to the experts. Well, if it's a center that has a reading specialist like teacher Tasha, so you really are getting an expert. But sometimes what they think they are getting would be an expert, when in reality, it would be entire groups of students answering worksheets, mm-hmm. which means... They're not really being taught to read, but they are just filling out these worksheets. And Mm -hmm. then somebody tells them this worksheet is wrong. So try again or try some other worksheet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's minimal understanding of what is really the child's developmental level. Mm -hmm. So programs like these can end up being problematic. And I know this is an unpopular opinion because many parents think it's necessary to enroll their child in a program where kids are made to answer lots of worksheets each time. But when I talk with other developmental pediatricians, in general, the consensus is really, they discourage these programs. (laughs) You know why? From the education perspective, I think the reason why worksheets are so popular is because in schools and for decades and even maybe century, the way schools are run is Worksheets are used to assess, right, how much a child knows or what skills he can do. Yeah, and so they're for testing. They're for testing. They're yes. not for teaching. They're so you for do not, mass testing, yes. actually. So you do not learn from a worksheet. Yeah, so I think parents need to distinguish between are you putting them in a program to learn, whereas someone is actually directly teaching them. So that moment... You're paying for hours, right? You're paying for time with an expert. Are you investing in that teaching and learning moment? Or are you investing in a worksheet that is actually just an assessment tool, right? Because if you buy a program and it's just worksheets and then you dump the worksheets on a child and say, answer that correctly, and then you'll get a prize or you get a reward or now you can go out to play, you're actually not having the child experience a teaching and learning moment with a teacher. So that is something that parents might want to think about. Yeah. And if you're in a program like that and then your child is getting stressed and you're having all of these battles, it's okay to stop. I know many parents, their child is enrolled in a program like this and then they're getting stressed. Their child is getting stressed, but they feel that they have to persevere. Otherwise, they said, my child might never learn. It's okay because these programs are not created with the science of reading in mind. These programs are created without scientific evidence. And in fact, they go against the way that young kids learn. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's okay. You can stop. (laughs) Remove that thorn. A lot of parents have said, you know, listening to you, it's like a thorn was pulled away from me. And this is one of the instances. This is one of the thorns, one of the stresses that we can pull from your life. 
So we have a foundational course on teaching your child to read. So to find out more, head over to momteachesreading.com. We have a free guide to prepare your child for reading. We also have a foundational course on the first steps in teaching your child to read. And if you want to dive in deeper, we also have our course that walks you step-by-step in building literacy in your child. So from going from not knowing how to read and then what steps you're going to take to help your child become a fluent reader. So these are all the steps and all the stages of reading that we have been talking about today and in the previous podcast episodes. Head over to momteachesreading.com or discerningparenting.com slash reading. And we're also going to link to this in the show notes. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to our other episodes on helping kids learn to read and be sure to follow the Discerning Parenting Podcast. So thank you so much, Teacher Tasha, thank for you sharing so much also. your wisdom with us. And yes. it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.